future. Last one, last show of the year, Sean. Yeah, season one. Let's make it one to remember. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Craig Moorhead, and uh, today I am joined uh, today and only today, tonight, by my co-host and y'all's, Sean Chubby Harwell. Mm. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're uh well uh, I'm 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 doing all right. How are you, Chubbs? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty skinny, good. actually. Uh-huh. I'm not chubby at all. Uh for those uh-huh. who know me. Not an earned I, uh, nickname. Now I, I you know, I'm good, man. This is uh this is our Christmas gift to the world, I think, right? <laughs> this last <laughs> That's right. episode here, yeah. I guess we'll just say happy holidays up front and get that over with and out of the way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks for for coming back and and rounding out the year with us here with this podcast, where we're talking about movies and uh, winding up our series on 1985. So here's the deal, Sean. Uh, so we're talking about the Michael J. Fox movies, Teen Wolf, and Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Back to the Future was the biggest movie of the year. Sure was. And Teen Wolf is also kind of, I don't know if it's, it kind of tags along with it. I feel like <laughs> any anyone who was a kid and saw Back to the Future and it blew them away kind of also saw Teen Wolf that same year. And for some reason it has become, you know, a part of their childhood in a way. Yeah. It's kind of a coattails movie though, isn't it? Kind of, yeah. About. It's kind of a coattails movie, but it has its own... It has its own moments, you know? It yeah. has its own stuff to it. So uh, we're going to start off talking about Teen Wolf. If you're out there listening and you have not revisited this movie, uh, check out the app Tubi TV. Uh, I think you can also access their website and watch online. They do have it streaming for free with advertisements. And I don't know, I thought it was a pretty decent looking HD copy there for you. Yeah. So you can go revisit that movie. Um, with a lot of ads for stuff that I don't remember, so they they weren't that effective. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what what did you think of of old Michael J. Fox in a werewolf land? It's funny, you know, not having seen it in so long, but clearly I went through a, a time where I must have had that on tape or something, and I mm-hmm. watched it a lot. While I didn't really remember like each scene that was about to happen necessarily, yeah, the rhythm of everything, the rhythm of the way. Lines were delivered, so it's just felt so familiar. Yeah, I think probably my the biggest thing that I was surprised by was that I did not remember at all how quickly they jump right into the wolf aspect of it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Sean? What was your uh, experience with it? I'm I'm kind of with you. You know, I feel like this movie is imprinted on my DNA more than I realize. I guess yeah. um, you know, watching it again, you know, there were definitely certain things I'm like. Yep, I remember every every bit of that. Uh, you know, I, I think when we were talking the tee up, you mentioned that Jay Tarsis, who plays the coach, uh, what's his last name, Finstock, I think. Yeah, <laughs> just such a fun name. Anyway, uh, what's the funniest thing about this movie? I, I think that's that's that holds true. Uh, I definitely enjoy and appreciate the small doses of styles that are in this movie. I think in 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 some ways. I remembered him having a slightly larger presence than he did in this movie. Yeah. And, and being more of, you know, a true like wingman. And right. there's very little conversationally that happens between Styles 
and uh, Scott Howard in this movie that's not about being a wolf or yeah. whatever party they're. I mean, there's just they just don't. There's nothing like of substance that they have anything right. to say to one another. So I, I, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Like he's just a pure comedic, fun character, and uh, the character of Boof, Susan Boof. or City, <laughs> yeah, kind of fills that void. And yeah, you know, I think. This is a really easily watchable, likable movie. Sure. Without being anything very good in a weird way. And like that right. that's gonna sound like I'm ragging on it, but I'm not. It's just there's there's really not a lot to hang your hat on here when no. you get down to it, you know. <laughs> I mean I think that was something that I don't know. Like I you know, I don't necessarily remember that but it's also because i wasn't watching a movie for that when i was eight nine years old right obviously you know it was a good fun way to spend an hour and a half uh i I think what you're saying about getting into the wolf stuff immediately yeah spot on and great i I really like how they handle all that transformation um the shot of the damn father as a werewolf, that reveal is so fantastic to this day. I mean, it made yes. me laugh out loud yeah. again. I knew it hook, line, and sinker, exactly what was going to happen, the look on his face. But it's so good. And in a lot of ways, I think um, really like looking at this, you know, I, I like Michael J. Fox and like what he did in this movie. You know, I think like he's definitely not phoning it in, even though we talked about in the previous episode He's certainly no huge fan of this movie um, right. as a career move, but uh, I don't. I, mean, I think he's absolutely fine in the role. But uh, man, yeah, James Hampton as the dad, I loved. I, I just love yeah. the way that they that they pitch that performance, and he's a kind father without being, um, you know, just a friend. You know, he is a dad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, especially like he's got history with the the principal or vice principal, the yeah. uh, Rusty Thorne character, which is a bit of a, you know, kind of same deal as Back to the Future. We'll talk about. But um, I don't know. I just like how they handled all of that stuff uh, with the dead and 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 Scott there and, and those two as being yeah. the, the only two werewolves in this movie and the only reason why this is anything of note other than just, you know, a, a basic teen drama almost. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I think if anything, you know, uh, watching this again, I really felt just how shallow the Pamela character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lori Griffin. Oh, I, she's just an awful human being. I mean, from the right. word go in this movie, there is nothing redeemable about that character. <laughs> Well, and I kind of remember that as being something that was sort of novel as a kid. Oh yeah, is that um, my the the hero of the movie really liked this girl, and at the end he pushes her to the side for yep. the girl that's been there the whole time. Yep. Like uh, among other things about this movie that stuck with me, like as a kid, I remember like that being like because I, I mean I remember watching the movie and just feeling like, well, I mean she is really pretty. 
You know, I like you know, I yeah. hadn't figured a lot of stuff out yet. Yeah, you're like, she's a and great the, actress the, in the school play version of Gone with the Wind or whatever they're putting <laughs> on. She, which that was kind of funny, actually. I mean, she oh, definitely oh, hams it up there to be a terrible actress in the high school. She setting. hams it up. Mm-hmm. And let me let me just throw this out because I don't have a lot to say about the character, but oh, I, I, I feel bad about not bringing up the acting teacher. Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's so over the top and ridiculous, oh, but man, so, he's yeah. so good. Like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, Wolf Out. Uh, uh, <laughs> like his his whole rhythm and everything was, uh, yeah. it's, it's so good. But uh, but that is, yeah, that's kind of the thing. And, and going back actually to the, the reveal of the dad, <clears throat> another thing that kind of struck me about the movie was how laid back a movie it is. Yeah, totally. And and like that was one of those moments where because I remember watching it for the first time, really feeling like, what is going to happen now? He's going to reveal that he's a wolf to his dad. Like, what's going to happen? And the fact that his dad was a wolf, you know, a blew my mind. But b it just kind of took took the air out of everything. Yeah, it's like it's cool, man. You know, dad's a wolf, dude. You know, everything's yeah. chill. Yeah, because I mean that that scene actually ends with them just both going to bed. And then they Pretty pick much. up the conversation that, you know, you get a shot of the full moon, you hear a wolf howl, and then you cut to breakfast and the dad's pouring, yeah. pouring hot cocoa for his son and they need to have a conversation, <laughs> yeah. which uh, you're right. I mean, it is kind of laid back. I hadn't thought about that, especially like watching it. You know, I did it back to back with Back to the Future and I watched this first and then uh, the other one the next night and seeing... Yeah, just the pace of that movie and yeah. sort of what they do as far as like setting up what needs to happen and then just all the obstacles that, that they throw in front of that. And here it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, you, you don't know what the stakes are per se, you know, yeah. because he's not in love with Boof, you know, so no. he's not like he's losing that relationship really right. in the in the process. He does have the hots for Pamela, but that kind of quickly sours too, you know? I mean, even yeah. like, A, I mean, I guess it's implied that they have sex in the uh, yes in the dressing room of the theater because, again, this awful human being who won't give him the time of the day uh, when he's not a wolf suddenly decides that she wants to fuck a werewolf, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. That's what she's into. And so... It's like the same day he's asking about taking her to the dance afterwards, and she just is like, "Yeah, no." And so, and yeah. so it's like, okay, well, it's really it's hard like, to track what she's, what her character even wants or is trying to accomplish. Yeah, it just it makes her even more horrible, I think. But but also yeah. like then with with Scott too, it's not like okay, well, he's going to go down this terrible path of having this bad relationship, and he'll come to see the light. It's like, no, it's not really that. There are somewhat, you know, built-in stakes with the basketball games and the tournament, and you know that stuff's kind of fun too. Kind of, but yeah. uh, it's uh, it, it is a weird thing, and in some ways, like I don't know exactly what the clean takeaway is, other than just be yourself, I guess. Which is, yeah, well, yeah, because and, and, he is like, but that even, but that's not even like. 100% clean because it's like, well, part part of the time he is a wolf and then part of the time he right. is not. So, like, which well, is and, it? Like, you know. Well, and that's the thing, too. Yeah. So so we end the movie with this basketball game where he has decided to play as himself. Yeah. 
Now, the coach has not become a better coach. <laughs> definitely and most not. of the definitely not. <laughs> He's the worst coach in the history of the world. Yeah, <laughs> he really so has funny. no faith in his players. Uh, he's, he's a he's a realist, but yep. uh, but the other players on the team have been doing almost nothing the entire season no. because Teen Wolf has been taking care of business. Yeah, literally eating during the game. On yeah, the I mean, why not? Chubby's eating an apple out there. Yeah, and so and I was watching this with my wife at the end, and we were both kind of. Neither one of us had really ever thought about it that way before, but it's like, so at the end, Michael J. Fox comes in and says, guys, no, I'm going to play as myself. We're going to play as a team. We're going to beat these guys. Mm-hmm. There, he has no reason to believe any at all that this would ever happen. But somehow, they play the best game of their lives. Yeah, I would say because they've established from the, the opening that they are truly terrible. They're uh, not good players. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, awful. I think they lose like 40, 50 something to 12 or something in that first yeah. game. Uh, by the way, I love that their team name is the Beavers and their arch rival <laughs> yeah. are the Dragons. So it's, it's, it's I opposite mean, yeah. on the nose. There's a lot of real get. nice touches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's one of these that I, I probably remembered more story than there actually was, I guess. Is yeah. What it should short way of talking about well, yeah i mean is it kind of that we we brought a lot to it at least as kids like we really we brought a lot to this universe i think in some ways yes but also like what you were talking about with the pamela character like watching that as a kid and they were like well she is pretty you know i, I think some of that is just like yeah you use these archetypes and you have these sort of like she's absurdly awful and the drama teacher yeah. is absurdly ridiculous and the coach mm-hmm. is as well and so it's it's just heightened because sure. i think a that just that's the way you get a teenager's attention to begin with <laughs> yeah. and then you have these moments where it's he's a werewolf and obviously you know the whole movie he can't be a werewolf the whole time you know they probably don't even have the budget for that to begin with but um you know it's so it's like i don't know i, I think yeah like in your head it's easy to invent or just remember those those big things about it, right? And then forget that eh, there's not much happening. You know, he gets popular really quickly, and then he's realizing that the team doesn't really like him when he's completely selfish, even though they're winning games. And Pamela still doesn't like him, even though she had sex with him. So you know, I think I'm just gonna go to the dance as myself. You know. Or I'm going to be a wolf at the dance, but then, you know, I'll I'll have to switch back over because Boof wants to be with me. And, uh, I mean, that's really all. Like, that's it. Like, that's all there is to this movie, you know. The the other interesting thing about it, too, is he becomes a werewolf. And, again, it it, it has to be heightened. Mm -hmm. Like, this story has to be heightened because he becomes a werewolf. And the first time he's a werewolf in front of everybody, like, everybody takes, like, about 30 seconds and then they're like, all right, that scene. Yeah. we're on the wolf train, I guess. And like the way that his life blows up, you know, everyone just suddenly loves the fact there's a werewolf walking around. Which is say, or like, if they do what? react to it, they're in love with it. Yeah. 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 It's just it's um, the best thing ever. So I, I was trying to figure out, we... yeah, was it puberty? Was it drug addiction? Anyway, what's that? Yeah, I don't know. I was wondering, too, is this like a metaphor in the way that like Nightmare on Elm Street 2 kind of was? Um, yeah. No, I don't think anybody's touching that. <laughs> no. Yeah. For <laughs> Coming sure. Coming close. Uh, I can't remember if we talked about it or not, but apparently there was a scene written 
where he went on the Tonight Show as the Wolf, or some oh. uh, facsimile of the Tonight Show, and it was. In, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of glad that they didn't do that, and I think yeah, definitely we'll talk about that really about in the future. It's like, yeah, if you open up that world too much, like forget it. You know, I, I actually watching this again really loved that scene when he transforms on the basketball court, oh, and yeah. for a couple reasons, like. Yeah, like you're saying, it created a really simple way for everybody to just kind of be okay with it because they could see, well, we're good. Like this, we're going to win. Like this is, you know, crazy. Like, you know, in the high school setting, that flies. But also, you know, there's just, I really think actually like this director here, um, I forget his name, Rod Daniel. He shot that really well because you get that just that sort of like full wide shot of a werewolf in a basketball uniform dribbling the ball between his legs with complete silence elsewhere, you know, where in this yeah. gym. And I love that. I mean, that made me laugh. And it was yeah. just such a nice moment. Like it brought a smile to my face just watching that little moment there, you know? Yeah. Because no, you're right. Were, you I mean, yeah. I was like, you don't know what their reaction is totally going to be. And so, right. like, you want to milk that moment for, for what it's worth. And I, I think they did. I do think that's one scene that's, that's really just kind of nailed. Well, and even thinking back on it, I, I, it's kind of funny that you have this vice principal character who, <laughs> like, like the, like the kid the is, the kid becomes a wolf. And the vice principal is kind of like, I'm going to keep my eye on you. <laughs> Like, dude, yeah. he's a wolf. Yeah, Wait. no. Wait, like you're you're acting like call the cops. Something yeah. something's happening here. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, and so, but but really, all of that works. Like it's it's definitely silly, but none of that is none of that works against it. Like no. it, it it all works just fine. One of my favorite things, and it's just like a little tiny tiny touch, is just that bit about how Lewis kind of their weird third wheel friend yeah how lewis is kind of scared of him mm-hmm. and I, and ever since i saw it as a kid i've remembered that and like they don't really ever go into that very much no but that's such a great touch like they don't yeah, it is yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know it's it just i don't know I, and, like, and like i don't think that was enough for him to finally decide oh i i should be myself like i don't think it was that but it i helps. just always like that as a touch like so, yeah this guy's just like this is weird yeah, I, I kind of I'm a little torn as to whether I w- I would have loved or at least and just curious about was there more to a Styles Lewis plotline you know yeah. subplot with Scott uh, or not because it is yeah it's it's like what you're talking about with especially with Lewis there I mean like this guy and like the actors Matt Adler. Um, like, yeah, he's just kind of there in this movie. And I get that, like, that totally does happen in high school in some ways, you know? Sure. But there's really no resolution to either of those guys. And, in fact, I yeah. noticed, um, you know, we'll get to this in a second, because I did end up watching the very, very end of this movie uh, a couple times over. Um I don't even remember them in the celebration at the end. I mean, they're bare, if they're there, they're like barely there. Like they don't get yeah. a little moment. I remember um, them at the game. Yeah. Right. Cause they're disappointed when he walks in, not as the wolf mm-hmm. or at least styles is. Yeah. 
but yeah, but yeah, by the time it's all over, no, they're not even there. And this, it's just kind of like, like Styles is loving the Teen Wolf because he's he's making tons of money off T-shirts yeah. and stuff. Like he never wants it to <laughs> end. And then yeah, they're just like, yeah, once once Scott Howard wins a game as himself, like suddenly Styles like vanished. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was it was it was an interesting choice there, and I felt a little unresolved. Like I, I could have done with. You know, if you make the movie five minutes longer, but that gives us, you know, some sort of small story arc with the styles. Yeah. Uh, I'd been okay with that, I guess. I mean, I don't know if he would have, uh, I don't know if that would have diluted his character or not, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. Like, they don't have anything. And yet he's so memorable. Um, well, yeah. Let's talk about styles for a I second. I would say, yeah, because... there's definitely a couple of things that uh, watching it this time I thought we should talk about. Go ahead. Well, yeah, just just as a as an overview, you know, I'm I'm watching this, and yeah, he's definitely stuck in my head for a long time. And we've had a lot of just in movies had a ton of sidekicks that are party animals. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, unless I'm really forgetting somebody good, I mean, of course, you got like Belushi. Yeah. But but he's not really, he's not really that thing. Like yeah, no. You got Booger. I really I, like. I don't feel like he's quite in the same genre like because those are both great but like this guy i totally buy him as the party animal yeah he never becomes entirely obnoxious to me i'm thinking about like when they're at this party which is wholly unlike any (laughs) high school party i ever went to sure and i mean i feel like i went to some ragers but i mean yeah there was not the not to this extent but he's like he's like master of ceremonies, mm-hmm. working the crowd, and like I one hundred percent buy it. Yeah, like like any every, everything he does, people cheer, and I'm like, yeah, I totally see that. Everyone's just like he he like really knows how to work the crowd, and I love that. Like I totally buy that and his character. Um, I, I really it I, kind, too. I kind of feel like he's one of the few party animal characters that are not just totally obnoxious and like strident and just not funny. No, and I also thought it was kind of a nice touch. Like I, I got the sense watching it this time that that was like, yeah, he's a he's that guy. He get, he gets to be the master of ceremonies, but he's still kind of a loser. And like everybody yeah. kind of knows that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, especially because you know I had forgotten about. You know, there's a whole bit about him trying to buy a keg, and like he goes in and he's just talking about like. Uh, <laughs> What was he pretending to be like a construction guy? Or so? I can't even yeah. remember now. Yeah, yeah, the boss said, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> that whole thing's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and everything." Um, and then, you know, they finally end up getting the keg because you know Scott almost wolfs out on the guy. And uh, I think you had the line of dialogue cut into our last episode. But they show up at the keg, and he's like, "I'm the king." You know, he's thinking he's provided the one keg for this party. And of course, the guy's like, "Yeah, just put it back there with the others. If we don't get to it, just take it home." <laughs> and there's like, "Oh, there's like that was twelve awesome. other kegs." And yeah, I thought that was really funny. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, let me ask you this: What the hell were those people doing covered in whipped cream on the ground? Did you understand that game at all? <laughs> I assumed. I assumed it was some sort of wrestling situation. I guess I don't know. But like, I don't know anyone. Yeah. Again, you, you got just, two people. Yeah, it looked like their hands were bound behind their back, but not necessarily together, or maybe together, covered in whipped oh, cream, yeah. but not facing each other. Which I thought that well, that would be, you know, it would add a, a yeah, 
Yeah, if you're taking you up know, a level, you're playing uh, locked in the closet and and uh, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was fishing like, the jello out of the shirt, which was a. Did you also notice that the like the the Bob Barker girl basically from Price Is Right at this party? There's just a girl in straight up lo- like full on lingerie, like complete head to toe lingerie, yeah. who's got the hat that they draw names out of. And yeah, it was. It's a very organized party. <laughs> <laughs> Why was she dressed up like that? Like, what high school girl was yeah. doing that? Nope. Just to I be the know. one where I, I, I was surprised by that. I'm glad they didn't explain it. That would have been preposterous. Uh, another thing I did not remember that I really appreciated this time was that uh, Harold, the, you know, the James Hampton guy uh, character, the father, when Styles comes over to Scott's house that one morning. Uh, he says, nice shirt, Styles, before he actually looks at Styles. So it's, <laughs> he just like, knows. Yeah, he just knows. And I'm like, well, that's just Styles. Because it is like, it's so, it draws so much attention, obviously, the Dick Nose shirt that we posted online. And there's a couple <laughs> yeah. other good ones. You know, I think there's one that just says Obnoxious, the movie, which uh, I don't know if that, I meant to look up and see if that's a real movie or not. I kind of hope it isn't just for the oh, sake man. of that shirt. But yeah. uh, that, that, that it's just like, that's just such a thing about his character that the dad even knows. <laughs> like, he doesn't oh, even yeah. have to look. <laughs> it was great. I loved that. I love it. Um, I liked uh, just how enthusiastic and excited everyone was after the first Wolf basketball game going into that diner afterwards. <laughs> I mean, good God. It was like they're going. You're like ready the... for like a musical to start. Oh, yes. I yeah. also, I think. If I'm not mistaken, Chubby um, had a bag of some kind of food that he brought into the restaurant, <laughs> which, uh, you know, we talked about it. Uh, the fat humor is uh, is in full-on glory here in 1985 once yeah. again. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think if there's one knock against Styles in this movie, looking back, it's definitely... Uh, the homosexual uh, yeah. question in the garage when he first learns that uh, Scott is a werewolf. And yeah, that that's kind of unfortunate because, you know, like whenever uh, 30 years from now, when they're looking back and talking about how insensitive people were uh, in the 80s, they'll include that line from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I actually had hope for that scene because once I was in it, I, I I kind of felt that moment coming, you know. I forgot about it, yeah. Like a, like a spidey sense. I was like something, <laughs> something's coming yeah. up. <laughs> why am I, why am I sweating right now? Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, like and and so and so Styles says, I think he says, "You're not going to tell me you're a fag, are you?" Yeah, and he's not even looking because at like a, Scott, right? Like he's he's digging for he's trying to find the weed in this like terrible. He's, yeah, he's trying to find yeah. weed, and he says, "Well, and, and here's the thing, like like." <laughs> Like I was really holding on with my fingernails, hoping yeah. this scene could happen, even with the derogatory term, mm-hmm. and still not, you know, really seem like they're like they don't like gay people. But he says, you're, "Like I, you're not gonna tell me you're a fag, are you? Because I don't think I can handle that right now, or something like mm-hmm. that." But it's actually Scott Howard's. <laughs> That's the fag. worst one. Yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm. I'm a werewolf. It's like, oh, okay. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah it, it's, 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 it's just, it's not, it's bad. And I, I feel like I'd have to go back and look at Once Bitten again, but it, that seems very similar to, well, no, but it wasn't about him being a vampire or anything like that, but it was, you know, well, it's kind of the same ballpark anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. An unfortunate, you know, chalk that up to. And, and it's really one of those things that really, that really ages the movie. Yeah, it does. I feel like more than anything, like it's, you know, it, it seems it's kind of agey, but like, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't sit there and watch it like, man, the good old days, like kind of like, all right, uh, you know, no one's on a cell phone or anything, but all right. They're yeah. In, I didn't, um, you know, wherever. I didn't <clears throat> feel like I was being punched in the face with dated everything yeah. in this one which is strange to say because there's certainly some costume choices that are in wardrobe like boof entirely like everything that she oh wears, yeah like is very much 85 her haircut vision and all that. purple yeah. yeah but it's still i don't know there's something kind of in the small town feel of it that i don't know it's, it's slightly timeless i guess um or just not as yeah. heavy heavy as it felt like in in desperately seeking susan for example right um <clears throat> Speaking of Boof, maybe we should talk about her. Boof. Yeah. So I read that that, yeah. Or did we talk about the fact that I guess that was just like the, uh, a nickname or a girl's name? It was a real nickname. Yeah. Of some one of the writers, right? Yeah. Okay. So just to reiterate that, that's where the hell that came. And it is spelled B-O-O-F. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, not a flattering nickname. It's not. Yeah. There's just. <laughs> it's just for some reason, even as a kid, like I remember hearing Boof. And like my, the, like my brain sort of is turning into like fart. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're just calling her fart. What are we doing? Boofed. Yeah. I just boofed. <laughs> and usually like, it's one of those things where you would expect to hear her real name at some point, you know, mm-hmm. like her mom or a teacher would call her Ethel and she yeah. would bristle and it's like, it's boof, you know, but you didn't know. And this is just, that's just her name. <laughs> yeah. For all we know, it's on, it's on the birth certificate. Um, it's a, that's an interesting character too, and like there's, I still definitely like it on the whole. Um, there's a bit of a feeling that I kind of just want her to move on from Scott, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Here and there, I do feel for her a little bit in that regard. Yeah. He he's he's pretty pretty dense, which I mean is that's true to life. True to life. Yeah. But. But yeah, yeah, there is something about it. It's like, man, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Uh, like, if this guy's going to throw himself at the feet of these horrible people, like, I don't know. Yeah, you you, you deserve better boof. Yeah. You could even get a boyfriend that won't call you boof. Yeah. You might even be able to get one who wears, like, a shirt that says something about dick nose on it. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. I know somebody. Maybe. Yeah. She could. She should have ended up with Lewis. That would have made sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> Lewis seems really nice, <laughs> doesn't he? Like he's, he's a, a he's like, a moral compass of this movie. <laughs> yeah, like next year she'll be at college, but he'll be a senior. Yeah, and they'll kind of have that thing. Yep, that'd be nice. Yep. Um, no, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't have a big takeaway from that character, other than that, you know, I, I think she gives a yeah. fine performance. I found it hysterical uh, that she and Scott's dad are playing basketball. In the driveway, and it is like the most yeah. boisterous game of one-on-one <laughs> between neighbor and, uh, you know, uh, object of affection's father uh, that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And completely unbelievable, but they made it work and kind of fun. Yeah. 
Um, and then, yeah, they make a good couple, and you're happy to see them together at the end. But yeah, getting there is a little a little choppy. I kind of wish she would have been able to have a bigger moment where she put him in his place a little bit better, I guess. Yeah, he should really be groveling. Yeah, because it still kind of comes within, like those speeches sort of come within the context of him being a werewolf as opposed to just, you know, a dude. Just being, well, and and yeah, and and this kind of of, uh, continues our string of understanding girlfriends. Extremely. Yeah. Who will just stick with you no matter how mm-hmm. awful you become. Uh, or is like what other species? You like yeah. you become another species, literally. Yeah. I mean, at least he does throw over Pamela for Boof at the end. Yeah. Just in just blatantly throws her over. Oh yeah. Like, at least, I mean that's moment. that's a nice feather in your cap if you're Boof, I think. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people are finally recognizing what a good person you are. Yep. <clears throat> so uh yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the, those are the big characters of this movie, the big pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple little things I want to talk about that I, I just liked or that stood out to me. Maybe we can do some of that. Craig. Yeah. Do you have a good reason or understanding of why on earth Scott's dad shows up at that dance? No. No, that was one of my that was one of my favorite parts. I I mean, never questioned it. I know, before. right? But man, I mean, talk about timing. <laughs> it's very convenient. And uh it is done for the purpose uh, of him yeah. talking to the vice principal and getting him to piss himself again. But uh yeah, I can't believe I'd never picked up on that before. But I am definitely picked up on it this time and wondering what the hell he's doing at that day. Dance, just hanging out in the hallway, waiting for well, them to I mean, come out of the gym. Yeah, I mean he is, he totally is, because yeah. there's there's nothing about that night that tells him he better be on on the scene. Mm-hmm. Something might go down, and and I also kind of feel like what what do we accomplish exactly from that? From yeah, making the vice principal pee himself. Like it just seems like okay, you just embarrass this guy for the second time. Just thoroughly humiliated him. Yeah. Except now he's a guy who oversees your son. I, I don't know. Like you're you're clearly not threatening to kill him, and you're not going to. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's a very different kind of movie. So I mean, well, I don't know what's stopping him from the next day just being like, "This guy threatened me." Yeah. Uh, he's a werewolf. Everybody knows about werewolves now, yeah, so that's not that's werewolves. not weird. Yeah, you're going to jail. Uh, yeah. Lock him up. Lock like there is a up. lot. There's a lot. There are a lot of levels still that could have been drilled down into, that just aren't. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I kind of wish Scott had had more of a um, win there with that guy than just letting his dad do it. You know, yeah. as much as I love the dad, and like I do think like that guy is so good and so likable that it's oh, yeah. easy to overlook that scene. Um, aside from the sheer convenience of it, one hundred percent. But yeah, it, it, it does sort of take away a little bit from that. Uh, being Scott's thing to deal with, you know? Well, and it, it also kind of makes you wonder, you know, throughout the whole thing, his dad is kind of like, you got to take it easy with this stuff, mm-hmm. with this werewolf thing. Like, and, and then for, for the for the last thing that, for the dad to do in the movie is to go and threaten somebody and scare them. It's like, 
Well, I mean, did you did you not learn anything? I mean, you're, yeah. you're threatening the guy because the guy is saying that he's going to expel your son. It's not like the guy was like, I'm going to beat you to death. Yeah. Practice and what then, you preach, Dad. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> it it would have been nice to maybe maybe patch that thing up, you know? Yeah. Somehow, I don't know. Yeah, that could have been a nice Maybe I'm asking to too it. much. Yeah. yeah. Just invite him out for a beer or something, you know, the two of them. Yeah. I mean, that guy's life, Rusty Thorne, his life has to be pretty miserable, you know? There's nothing about yeah, it that we man. see that sounds really enjoyable, being the no. vice principal at this school. Um, no. You know, where there's only one black kid and he's a break dancer. So uh, it's tough, you know. <laughs> Do you notice that too? There's not a lot of diversity, yeah. No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No. I saw one black person and, you know, he was a break dancer in the hallway. Um, so uh, another question I had for you was, at, w- yeah. where do you think they have the thermostat set uh, in the gym? <laughs> Is it set on hell or is it just set on like 95? Yeah. Well, I, I was assuming that they were they actually had rain machines in there. Oh, okay. We, just, we didn't see when they turned them on. We just kind of yeah. came into the scene after they just dumped like a gallon of water. No one, I've never seen anyone sweat that no. much. No, I mean, not in the NBA, nothing. There's no sweating and, going on to this degree in, in any yeah. basketball. <laughs> Unless the gym is 8,000 degrees, maybe. Oh, man. It's I mean, and, and not just not just... Fox, but I mean, everybody, everybody yeah. was just, they look like they just stepped out of the shower. Oh, the Mick character. Yeah. The guy, uh, oh, it's Pamela's boyfriend on the opposing team. You know, you get that great yeah. slow motion shot at the end where he closes his eyes and it's just like sweat. <laughs> so gross. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wondered that. And then, uh, another question I'll ask you, Craig is, um, like how slow would a van have to be going for you to, to surf on top of it? It would have to be, I assume, pretty slow. Yeah, now, I like right? I like the surfing on the van, but it is one of the more re- unrealistic mm-hmm. bits in the movie. Um, and g- given that this is a werewolf movie, that's that's saying something. But but yeah, I mean, it would have to be going pretty slow. Yeah, this was one a, one know. wrong break, and yeah. You got nothing. Yeah. I This was the first time I watched this and felt that old because that's the first thing I thought. I was like, this is extremely dangerous. <laughs> like, there is no way I would do that in anything over, yeah. like, three miles an hour. I don't even think your car could go. So, uh, yeah, it, it looks pretty pretty dangerous there, I, folks. Do not try it at home. Oh, yeah. And and I, I do like it. The, the, actually, the only thing I don't like about the 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 roof surfing is when Scott decides to do it in broad daylight going down Main Street. And just does a handstand the I whole time? I just felt like, yeah, yeah I was just kind of like, you know, you're like, you're going to get pulled over. Yeah. Like, there's no way that's legal in any way. Mm-hmm. And then you're driving past your dad's place. I mean, I get your teen wolf now. You're, you, you, you think you're great, you know, think you're hot stuff. But uh, but yeah, that like the the one at night, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally yeah. what. I mean, you just bought a kid, you're breaking the law. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Now, earlier you told me you had some things to say about the credits. I did the opening credits. Yes, I'm glad you reminded me here. Yeah. Uh, a the sound effects drove me crazy. Uh, it's this like echoey. It's supposed to kind of be a heartbeat because eventually. Oh right. You you show up and uh, Scott's on the on the free throw line and you know or he's bouncing the ball maybe it's like the the ball bouncing it's yeah. breathy it's just it was really heavy like that was the feeling of it but the credits themselves the titles 
Um, aside from the Teen Wolf font, which got its own special font, which is the same as in the poster, um, yeah. which I got no problem with. The rest of it is very uh, just sort of basic font. And it made me think about Friday the 13th and wondering yeah. if by chance that was their intention to because it has a horrific feel to it, you know. And like here you are, like, okay, this is a werewolf movie. Like, is this going to be like what level of scary is this, you know, teen comedy going to be? Um, right. So I don't know. I just I thought about that, you know, after we were talking about it, and you were like, oh yeah, every single Friday Thirteenth movie is just credits, you know, um, and yeah. music. Um, I don't know. You haven't run across anything to suggest that that was. <laughs> An intentional homage, yeah. I don't know. I'd be curious yeah. about that. Like it, it, it certainly doesn't seem to pay off. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to pay off. But, um, but that being said, I, I thought the same thing. Like it is that very stark looking uh, credits. That yeah, exactly. Had, had and I didn't remember that at all. Feel. Yeah, I didn't remember that at all being like a thing. Uh, the, oh, no. The, the way that that movie opened, I thought it just, okay, yeah, you just cut right into the basketball game, you're there. Um and then and then you then you 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 cut into just a shot of the ceiling of the gymnasium that felt like it went on for like 5 minutes. Yeah, it was a lengthy lengthy scene there and shot um that kind of opening. Especially for a game. I mean, in some ways it's a bit too much because you know, the whole point of it is that it's serious and then you find out no they're getting crushed (laughs) and they're terrible which is a joke right so i don't know right yeah it's a little i don't know it was a little too uh built i guess uh in a way um on the other hand there was another moment somewhat like that in the hardware store where he goes there after work or after school excuse me and there's the kid in there blowing the dog whistle. And that was another one where I was like, oh, God, just maybe I have to have the volume too loud. Like, this is driving me crazy, too. Like the sound effect of that. <laughs> and, and it's repeated several times yeah. before he comes over and he shows it right beside the kid and pops the whistle out of his head. Um, but also, I loved that kid's reaction. Like, I had forgotten that, too. It's just like that slow turn. He says, it's broken. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> killed me. I loved it. Um, loved great. the look of the hardware store, all that stuff. I thought was really good. Um, yeah, it looks such like a great real, dad job to have. It is, and it looked like you a real. You own place. the hardware store. Yeah, yeah, and they were very specific about. I, if I remember correctly, like you don't see him at first. Like he's on a ladder, um, and I don't know. Yeah. They were kind of a little specific in the reveal of that for some reason. I don't really know that it had a payoff, but uh, there it was. That I think is about it. Other than the penis legend let's get into the penis legend sean okay first i just remembered i do think i saw emilio estevez at the very end of this movie i i I didn't see him it's definitely someone who looks a lot like him but it's an extremely quick shot uh that i that i notice and all this stuff is happening post scott hitting the game-winning free throw in the last thing so if you don't know and we somewhat got into this in the last episode and decided to cut it because we needed to do our homework. And uh, there is a very heavy, long uh, past legend that there is a person who can be seen in the background, an extra, uh, with his penis hanging out of his zipper and then puts it back in and buttons up his pants as... (laughs) 
Scott is in the middle of the throngs celebrating uh, this victory with his girlfriend and the dad, and they're all there. The whole high school is is happy, happy. Uh, did you did you notice that this time? You knew about this a little bit, right? Uh, I, you know, I read about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read I read the the sort of debunking yes of it. It is. I have to say, first of all, it's a very weird shot. It is. Yeah. It kind of feels like the cameraman walked away. Like it, this feels like the the tail of a shot that they weren't going to use, but then it was like, oh well, there's his dad. Yeah. Like the whole like depth of field structure and grain structure seems totally different. Like uh, yeah. yeah, it's just got a completely different look to it for some reason. Um, I watched the movie and as it unfolded. I was like, oh, yep, there it is. That's that's penis. There's no denying that. And right. then I read it and read the explanation. I went back and looked a couple times. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I paused it. Yes. Got kind of sure. close to it's not it's not penis. You can tell. No. Like if you get close to it, you can tell it's not a penis. And apparently what happened is that this was actually a woman. Yes. You can't see her head. There is a shot where you do see most of her body, and it does look like a more feminine build than a masculine build. Necessarily, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a small dude, so I'm not saying that <laughs> it couldn't just be a smaller gentleman. Um, but supposedly, this woman, and if you're ever going to be an extra, pay attention to this because this is so yeah. ridiculous. Like this should never have happened. Uh, the, her pants were very tight. And so when she was sitting down, they were unbuttoned or came unbuttoned. And as she stood up, she realized they were unbuttoned and buttoned them while the camera's rolling on the very last shot of this movie um, with, a, with a bunch of extras. And yeah. it's extremely noticeable. Like you don't have to really look that hard for it to see it. But uh, if you're if you're at all trying to watch it or trying to find it, you will like it is is impossible to miss. And uh, yeah, just from the way it is, like there is a second there where it does look like a penis. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine that they didn't do more than one take of it and how that was the one best take that they had. Yeah. That it ended up in the final film, because there's no way that an editor didn't see that. Somebody saw that before it ended up on the big screen, you know. They had to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think even, like, Family Guy has joked about it. Like, it's made the pop culture rounds, I think, a bit, this myth. But, yeah, sadly, I don't – it's not It's not penis, guys. Yeah, you're going to have to go to some other movie for penises, guys. (laughs) Sorry. All right, Craig. With that settled, uh, I don't know. Should we hop in the DeLorean? I don't even know where to start. I mean, Back to the Future, obviously, everybody's seen it. Uh, Everybody tends to love this movie. I don't know that it has any detractors. Um, if if it does, it's news to me. So I I think we talked a little bit about maybe what we should do at the start of this thing is talk about the stuff in this movie that bothered us watching it again. Because I had a few things, and, and it's not necessarily things that bothered me or made the experience anything less than what it is, which I think is a really 
prime example of pure movie entertainment. Like there's no two yep. ways around it. Like this is a fun, fun ride. Like, and especially I was thinking about this too. Like, I think even like that, that word fun gets tossed around now a lot, like in regards to like some of the superhero movies and stuff. Yeah. No, for me, this is like, this is fun. Like this movie is fun because the stakes are not about the world dying or somebody trying to kill <laughs> half yeah. the population, some superhero villain. No, they're small and enjoyable and they're personal. And uh, we'll get to all that too. But uh, Craig, let's talk about yes. this terrible movie. Let's talk about what's not. Yeah. What, what bothers this you movie... watching about the future this time? Sean, this movie is ridiculous. <laughs> it's directed to within an inch of its life. Mm -hmm. Like it is just, holy shit. There's like no every fat. part of this movie is insane. No, anyway, yeah. but let's start here. Toward the beginning of the movie, we have our hero, Marty McFly. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, is on his skateboard, hitching rides from uh, cars, taking him into town to go to uh, his high school. Because he's lazy. Because he's super lazy. And just pump the skateboard like a normal person. <laughs> Wait, what, 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 what's, what's the name of the town? Hill Valley. Hill Valley. You're right. Hill Valley. That's it. They're trying to sell the idea that Hill Valley has really gone downhill. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just, uh, you know, it, it, maybe it had its heyday, but now they, it literally looks like Times Square. And I don't understand... <laughs> Like, all the people seem fairly normal, and everyone's going about their lives normally, and yet you have just several uh, adult film venues yeah. within, like, spitting distance of whatever Department of Social Services. And, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the, the, it just felt like the selling of, of how downtrodden the town had become was way too much. Yeah. Like I, I never bought like, like, like I've seen town squares like that where the town has got hidden on hard times, but you just have like abandoned storefronts and stuff. But here it just seems like someone evil has taken over this. Yeah. Town. It's a bit, uh, uh, invasion USA a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> the bad guys won. <laughs> like they get to the high school and there's, there's graffiti everywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's like one that's like Los Hermanos on the side. Yep. And I'll be damned if I can find a single Latino person anywhere in the movie. Anytime they're in the school. Yeah. Or anything. Those Libyans I mean, might like, have been Latino actually. I don't know. The, the, actually, yeah. We'll have to do a DNA right. test, yeah. You're absolutely right actually. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um but but they're 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 just really overselling this like this thing that I feel like I don't I don't know if you had to press it that hard. I, I felt that way about the statuesque entrance to their neighborhood. Uh, and that, I feel like that, sure. it's bothered me a couple times. A, it just doesn't, like, it doesn't look believable. It looks fake, yeah. like the, the sign mm -hmm. and the statue and the whatever. And then the, the fact that, like, that has been graffitied and there's trash out there. Like, right. You know, because it, it does, like, it's still, even in the present, still kind of feels like a nice enough place. Like, you know, like the people yeah. are nice. And uh, what bothered me about it actually this time, and this ties into what you're talking about, and I think I can explain or understand the rationale of it. 
I noticed for the first time that when Marty leaves Doc's garage after, you know, playing guitar and showing up and taking the phone call from him about, mm. you know, that night, uh, there's a Burger King right there and then a t- Toys R Us down the street. I'm like, well, wait a second. I thought this was like a small-ass town, right? Hill Valley. Yeah. And I'm like, but I think it's one of these situations where they're saying, like, the downtown went to shit and then everybody went out to the suburbs and then the suburbs grew up and that's where the mall is and that's where the Toys R Us is. But it's still, it's like, it doesn't feel like a big enough town that would have a Toys R Us in it, right? I mean, especially in 85. Right. Like, I had to drive two hours to Charlotte to find a freaking Toys R Us. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and I guess that is, yeah, that's, uh, you know, what, I guess I think we, we never really get an idea of exactly where we are. Like, is this just a small town square that's basically in the suburbs? Or I don't know. I think I, yeah, uh, I, I assume they it is completely failed to define Hill Valley. Is it a small town or isn't a small town, Zemeckis? Well, and and not that I want to get into the the later movies because I don't think they I don't think they kind of count. They're kind of like good fan fiction. Yeah. But I feel like the way the city becomes in 2015, where it's like Las Vegas. Yeah. That also makes no sense. Yeah, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> why would that? And I mean, yeah, of course, it's it's heightened and everything, but uh, but that was one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What what else? What else for you, Sean? What are some good nitpicks? First day of school, mm-hmm. homeboys auditioning for the Battle of the Bands, right? Yep. What does Huey Lewis say to him through the megaphone? Uh, it's just too loud. Who? How are you too loud for a Battle of the Bands? Yeah, I don't know. Their bands are supposed to be loud. Even even Huey Lewis teacher in 1985, they'd have to expect that to a degree, right? Come on. Yes. It's like the height of party metal. Come on. You're absolutely right. Yeah, because height of party metal, every everybody else in that gymnasium is clearly there to play yeah. some kind of glam rock. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to be quiet. No one's there to play a triangle. Yeah. New edition's not there. I mean, come on. More than that, though, Sean... I don't know if you ever had any of these Battle of the Bands at your own high school, but the fact that they went up and started playing a song that had a recognizable melody mm-hmm. should have been, that, that should have been shooting. I mean, they would have been right a there. finalist right there, yeah. Yeah. Even though it just starts with a guitar solo, but it does have a melody. You're right. Like the, um, the, the fact they're, they're actually keeping a rhythm. Yeah. And yeah, it was, I, I thought it was a fantastic performance, but you're right. But I mean, it immediately gets shot down. In the special edition version <laughs> of this movie, uh, guys, just CGI talent show, school talent show. You're too loud for the talent show. Yeah, I, that I understand. Okay, right. Yeah, you're gonna have people singing. Maybe somebody. You got a CGI. Yeah, somebody with like a baton in the background. Yeah, like yeah. Other skills instead yeah. of just Easy. just rock and roll. Yeah. Um, and then on the heels of that, oh poor Jennifer. You know, she doesn't have a whole lot to do in this movie other than deliver no. exposition. Um, Claudia Wells here and I like her but uh, you know she's like you know the one like you know you guys are good and this demo tape proves it you gotta send it to the record company (laughs) and like I just can't listen to that without laughing because that's not mm, yeah I don't know it just feels like it just is exposition I mean that's just like what it is you know yeah and you know that's interesting and also slow down like yeah the record right. company let's let's be real here you know i mean i get that you guys are young and naive but even like when i was in a band in 17 like i don't know i don't know if this is ready for the record label just yet. right 
<laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I mean, honestly, Sean, if they play the way they were playing in that scene, that's true. It's true. If they had written the power of love, too. I mean, yeah. Oh man, yeah, they would. They definitely have it. Well, it, but that's a good question. That's not a good question. Why did I say that? <laughs> it's a good answer. But that brings up. It's a fantastic answer. Is what it is. It brings up another good point, and I don't. I don't want to really skip to the end. But I think Crispin Glover, uh, I think Crispin Glover is right about it being weird that sort of Marty's prize at the end of this movie is a truck. Mm-hmm. But they kind of totally drop the whole music thread. Yeah, I mean he he plays music in 1955 and obviously goes over really well. But it kind of feels like, but is that his dream? Because she's kind of talking about it like it's his dream. Yeah, but they never bring it up again. No. Um. And, and I mean, it's never brought up again ever. Yeah. In any of the movies. Uh, that's kind of a weird threat, for, especially for a movie that's so good at setup and payoff. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I guess that setup does have a, a bit of a payoff, but it kind of still feels like it got lost. Yeah, it does. Uh, and maybe to the benefit of the movie. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah if he had gotten a record deal at the end of this movie, mm, right? That wouldn't really make a lot of sense. Even bad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next problem. Let's take it to the house. Marty's oh, family. How old? How? What the hell are Marty's siblings doing in this house? Yeah, that house is tiny. Yeah. Where 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 are they living? Why are they still? Oh, there? Did they have yeah. a bunk bed? Yeah. Yeah. Dave and um, Linda McFly. I mean, but well, seriously, do you have, like, they, you know, to my eyes, look like they're in their mid-20s almost. <laughs> Maybe not Wendy Jo Sperber, yeah. but, uh, you know. No, I, I, think they, I think they're both out of high school. Yeah, for sure. But I'll say yeah. this. I'll say this. I feel like that works in the original 1985. Yeah. But I do find it more confusing in the new 1985. It doesn't, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that we're really saying that they live there at that point. Like, it, it would make sense to me, like, oh, you know, failure to launch here. These kids are still living at home. Mm-hmm. Like, things are not going so well with this family. But, uh, but yeah, they still seem to just be around at the end again. Well. That's a very good point. Not only that, Craig, since we're, you talked about it. Marty's brother, Dave, in the very end there, when he comes back to the new version of 1985, the successful right. version of 1985, it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you wearing? It's like, oh, pff, I'm, I always wear a suit when I go into the office. Craig, it's a Saturday. It is a Saturday, remember? In the movie, because that's when he's going camping with what's-her-face. Sean, that was, that's a good, that was a good find. Why is he going to the office on Saturday? What office is open on Saturday that you're wearing a suit well, to? Well, maybe, maybe he's a workaholic. Mm, mm, I don't know. He reads Forbes. He I think he's taking the like weekend off. He's living yeah. at home with his parents. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, he lost his job a long time ago. He forgot what day of the week it is. Okay, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's go back to the mall then. This is before okay. the, they haven't even gone back to 1955 yet, right? Yeah. It's a little convenient that the Libyans, not only do their guns jam, their car jams too, like at the same time. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's lots of convenience there at that point. Oh, yeah. Okay, on the same note, once Marty's in 1955, I think he stops the car there on that highway. He sees the sign in the neighborhood. He backs it up, you know, looking at it. He gets back in the car to start it, and it won't start, and it shows that the plutonium level is low. But 
at the mall, Doc Brown said that the car's not nuclear. It only needs the plutonium to reach the gigawatts. Right. To get the, to get the burst of energy. So yeah. The car you just should, put gas in it, you yeah. drive it around. Yeah. Now, there is a mention of, Marnie says something about the starter to Doc Brown a little bit later. He thinks that's, that's what's wrong with it. Which maybe, right. maybe the starter would just go bad like that uh, once you stop the car and you can't, I don't know. Well, DeLoreans uh, maybe weren't so reliable. <laughs> yes, and that one did just travel through time. So I kind of forgive that one. But uh, uh, I don't know. You got another one? Because I got a couple more. Well, I, I've got one. And it, it's not so much a nitpick, but it was something that I wasn't, that I realized wasn't 100% clear, even though it felt like it was really supposed to be. When they're back at the house in old 1985, Lorraine makes a sideways comment about how she never sat in cars with boys. And I understand that's supposed to be funny later because she's in a car with a boy. But thinking about everything that leads up to that, I started wondering, was she lying? Like in old 1985, was she actually lying or Hmm. was the presence of Marty in her 1955, the thing that kind of led to her sitting in cars with boys? I don't think so because, you know, when they're uh, the night of the dance, the enchantment under the sea, she's drinking and she's smoking and she's talking in a way in which this is not her first rodeo, any of it. Drinking and smoking, I'll give you. In fact, she says, she says, Marty, I've definitely parked with guys, you know, I've parked before. Oh, does she say that? Yes. She did say something about parked before. So I think you would have to assume she's lying then. Although she sells I it as guess. if she's not, yeah. The I question for me is, if she did that stuff, I mean, I understand not not being forthright with your kids about it, but acting like you never did it seems a little weird because she doesn't seem ashamed of it at all. Yeah. But the other thing is, whenever she first meets Calvin Klein, she's very she seems very unsure and shy, but sort of, you know, just sort of driven to this feeling yeah i think she's like desire that's that's the thing i was playing the shy card because she's ready to jump his bones any second uh well she is but yeah yeah. like it's a very different thing than when she's in the car with him anyway yeah well and i guess the the other thing i was trying to get at was you know the fact that he gives goldie the idea to be mayor and all that kind of stuff and she tells biff she's not that kind of girl like i was trying to figure out like what what else was he sparking there anyway Mm. Hmm. Uh, to to take it back a little bit, why, whenever they come back from traveling through time, is the car cold and covered in ice? Uh, you know, I think I I remember them saying something about this in the Blu-ray extras, and I I forget now, and I apologize. Um, I actually like it as a touch, yeah. but I just remember when it happened, I was like, I've never questioned that before, and I just wondered no. every time when he comes back, is it actually cold? And it pretty much was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting decision for a car that's literally producing fire uh, when it when it leaves whatever yeah. time period. <laughs> yeah, you get the two extremes. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel <laughs> like they they did have a reason for that, although I can't remember what it is right uh, right now. Um, yeah. Let me ask you this though, Craig. Hit me, hit me. Bigger question. In 1955, Marty orders a tab. You'll recall at the diner. Yes. And the guy's like, I'm not opening a tab. You got to order something, you know. And he's like, okay, give me a Pepsi free. 
right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, but you gotta pay for it. He's like, just give me something without sugar in it. Name one teenager in 1985 who's ordered, that's what they want. Just something without sugar in it. Yeah. Does Marty well, strike you as a, as a very healthy uh, person? Is he really concerned about his teeth there? Uh, <laughs> traveling back well, in time is, and, uh, you know, yeah, stepping in front you of know, Libyans. You know, that's something, I, I kind of feel like that was something that bothered me even as a kid. Oh, really? Like okay. That, well, that, that, that back and forth about Pepsi Free and all that stuff, like I got it. Yeah. And like I, I, I thought it was funny, but it is pretty stilted. And, and you'll notice whenever he's in old 1985 house, at dinner, he's drinking a Diet Pepsi. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't know a single, yeah, certainly gross. not a single guy friend who was in high school, who if he was drinking soda, he was drinking Diet anything. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what is that? Well, maybe they put the Diet Pepsi in there to set up that line about just... Oh, absolutely. But then it's just, yeah, I don't know. The punchline of the give me something without sugar is it hands him coffee. But it feels like there's a there's a less clunky way to get to that than having that line in there. I'm just like, man, nobody, <laughs> man, yeah. nobody's worried about sugar. Come on, in the '80s, you kidding me? Sean, let me ask you about the simulation they run through when they're planning the uh, the whole uh, lightning strike. Okay, what is the point of doing any of that with a model? Besides. Having the moment, yeah, where the car catches on fire and catches the rags on fire. Uh, like, why would you build a scale model and then and then show the car go through and then actually electrify a wire that's just going to hit a like the car's not going to go into the future. Yeah, what are what are we proving with making it actually electrocute a car? I forgive that as a character touch because I think that reveals uh, some of of Doc Brown's. Um, you know, maybe not exactly a textbook scientist per se. Yep. So I, I forgive that. And plus, I do find that that car pretty funny when it catches on fire and then catches the rags on fire. But you're right. Yeah, yeah. there's no. I, I I did. I had the exact same thought about the sequence of it. In that he tells us about it and tells Marty about it, and then it's like, well, here, yeah, let's try it. Um, because it was like, well, yeah, why? Like, it's not going to do anything. Like, what? Right. Why? I mean, it's, yeah, like, you're right. I, I totally get like having, I mean, having everything else except actually yeah. electrifying. All you're going to do is shock that... the shit out of a toy car. Like, yeah, what do you expect? <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. Lucky it didn't blow up and, you know, to a thousand pieces and kill them. Uh, no, yeah. that was interesting. That was interesting. Uh, here's a question for you. Yeah. How the hell did Marty get into George McFly's room? To do the Darth Vader thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is what what was that? Where was the setup of that? Well, I do know for a fact that they they cut quite a bit from that scene. And I did see okay. uh yeah, it was an extended scene where he basically you do see him tell George what to do. And then they were mm-hmm. like, Well, we don't need that because then McFly says it, you know, to Marty uh in the very next scene. But they did show him leaving the room. And like crawling across his trellis and, you know, coming down from the second story and getting in the car with Doc Brown. So you see him exit, but I'm still like, it feels like, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a hard thing to sneak into somebody's house, period. But then with, all, <laughs> with yeah. a hazmat suit, basically. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and especially when most of your character is 
in the movie is being surprised by things and having to deal with like kind of your your inability to uh, you know like m- most of the situations are like oh my god panicking mm-hmm. but in this case you're like a cat burglar you're just in the window yeah and uh yeah <clears throat> i got one more like almost everything else it's it, it's so good that you just oh, yeah. don't care yeah. uh, what's what's that last one for me is this okay uh the big sequence post diner yeah. after marty has hit biff mm-hmm Breaks the get the little uh, scooter box, turns it into a skateboard. Yeah. The chase. There's a moment where Marty ends up on his skateboard in front of Biff's car, and Biff's car is pushing Marty on the skateboard, correct? Yeah, yeah. Biff sees the truck of McNure, says, I'm going to ram him. Are we to believe that Biff was prepared to, to literally murder Marty McFly? Because that would kill him. There's no way oh, yeah. around it. I'm going to uh, ram him into a truck. Yeah. Uh, they, at least crippled. Yeah, they may also yeah. get hurt in the process. At least crippled. Right. Uh, are we supposed to believe that's what he means? Would he do it? Is that going too far? Uh, I, I totally agree. That's, that's something that I think that no matter, like you're watching the movie and even if you're caught up in the, in the suspense of it, you don't really believe that's going to happen. Yeah. So I think you kind of forget the fact that basically he was proposing Just, murder yeah. there. But yeah. but at the same time, I would say Biff is a big aggro high schooler. Yeah. And he might make that decision. I mean, he does seem he might be dumb enough and angry enough. Yeah, he does seem prepared to rape uh, Lorraine. Oh yeah, you know, so. he's he's awful. Yeah. He's. Just awful. And so likable. God bless him. <laughs> and, yet, and yet, I can't help but love him. I know. He's the most lovable uh, potential rapist. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'm out, though. Uh, I'm, I'm, first my list of all, is over, yeah. This may actually have an answer, and maybe I'm just not thinking of it. Uh, but it doesn't count if it, if this came up in parts two or three. Cause those, I those don't, don't know count. those that well, so you're in luck with yeah. me anyway. How did Doc and Marty become friends? Yeah, that's never really explained, other than... Uh, I did think about this time as like, well, the experience in 1955 is how they became friends, right? So it's like, it's just like an endless loop. Somewhat, yes. I mean, that would have to be the only answer, correct? Because otherwise, yeah, but it is how, absurd. But, like it's Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah. How would he have gone back the first time though? Like how would well, he have ever gotten Well, but that does... Uh, here know, we are. Here we are. We're opening up the uh, the wormhole. Yeah. Um, uh, fair enough. I, okay. I mean, you know what? I mean, there's definitely probably like thirty two thousand blogs that are dedicated to this one thing. I'm sure. Yes. I'm not going to read so we'll any of up them. Later, no, but, I'm not reading any of no, them. No, I'm, I'm certainly not going to read any. But but that was always a question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, Marty's voice and Johnny B. Good is terrible. It is. It is a bad match. Yeah. It is a bad. That match. That sequence is so exciting. Mm-hmm. And good, and I loved it the first time I watched it. And as soon as he opens his mouth and starts singing, mm-hmm. I just felt like, couldn't we have just given Michael J. Fox some voice lessons? Yeah. Because this doesn't work. I can't remember. There's a guy in the Pinheads, the Battle of the Bands band <laughs> from yeah. 1985. Uh, I believe it's the guy on bass with the blonde hair who was Marty's, or excuse me, Michael J. Fox's coach for uh, faking those parts on the guitar. And my, he said that he, he did play guitar a little bit. And so, yeah. you know, yeah, it 
as someone who does play guitar, I'm sure like yourself, you, you look at it and it's like, he's at least in the right area on the neck. Oh, yeah. You know, he's doing a very the guitar good, stuff I had no yeah, problem totally faking with. Yeah. it. It's possible that that guy did the vocals for that. I can't remember. Um, no, maybe. Or maybe he got a credit or that was a thing. I don't know who did the vocals, but yeah, it's... It's too deep, I guess. I don't know. And that's not the right word either, but it's it's uh Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's because the voice itself is great. Mm-hmm. Like like it sells the like urgency of the song and like it's not easy. It's not easy to interpret a song like that, you know? Yeah. Um but yeah, exactly. It's it's there's there's something about the tone of it. Like you can kind of tell they were trying to give him a voice that would sort of sound like what might come out of his mouth, but Yeah. Just not I just, quite it, there. You just don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. They should have raised the pitch just slightly. I think it might have actually worked. Maybe. So when the special edition Maybe. comes out, yeah. Uh, what else? Here's my last nitpick. Lay on me. Yep. Okay. We're at the end of the movie. Suspense is high, Sean. It's real high. And we know that Marty's going to go back and, uh, and Doc's just going to get shot again. Mm-hmm. So Marty says, wait, what am I doing? I got a time machine. Ten minutes ought to do it. All I can think is, what are you talking about? Go back five hours early. What are you talking about? Ten minutes. Yeah, why well, cut it close? Yeah, ten minutes. You know that this car barely works. Yeah, it's not reliable. <laughs> like, it's going to conk out on you right now. Mm-hmm. And then when you get back, it conks out again. And that's like the fourth time it's conked out. Yeah. Uh, so that one kind of, or I mean, yeah, like just a day before five minutes, like a day before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, ju- sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't want time to fold in on itself or anything. So, you know, yeah, maybe you don't want to like be there when uh, yeah. you're around and that would get weird, but, but you could have, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> I, I, could, I think, yeah, it's, that's one of those that, yeah, they, they could have done that. You just got to chalk it up to, he's a teenager. Uh, he doesn't have much time to think about this and he's, probably scared of going back too far and and like you say messing things up because he's he's just experienced that for a week there in 1955 but yeah that's a fair it's a fair nitpick so i mean those are all my nitpicks yeah do we have anything that are uh do you have any new observations uh there's a few things that i i probably just forgot um yeah overall though watching it this time I really honed in on Crispin Glover in this movie. And mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow. Like, yeah, if you haven't watched, if you're going to watch this again because you're listening to this and it just makes you want to watch it, put it on. Just, wa- just watch him, you know, have it on in the background and then look up when he's on screen because that dude is incredible in this movie. Incredible. He is from yeah. a different planet. I mean, the laugh that they that he has, like, can you imagine those scenes without that laugh uh, in the opening? Oh. It's impossible. Forget it. Like, it wouldn't work. Um, yeah. It's so good. I really think, uh, in some ways, that's the best uh, age transition in the movie is yeah. his his 85 version in the opening. Um, yeah to who he is as a teenager in 55 that it looks like two different people in a lot of ways, but you believe it like it, it it's really good. Totally. I thought that was great. Much less so with Leah Thompson, unfortunately, probably because she's so beautiful as <laughs> her current age or, or her actual age at the time of that movie. Um, so I really, yeah, picked up on Crispin Glover. I picked up on the fact that 
you know, and I remembered him being a peeping Tom, you know, and that mm-hmm. scene, but I forgot like he freaking climbs a tree and he's got binoculars <laughs> in the middle of the day in broad daylight to go watch yeah. this girl change. And that's ridiculous. And then I forgot about the guy, her father hitting Marty and then yelling to his wife about another one of his kids got in front of a damn car. So I guess he's like a serial child, uh, you know, kind of hit and run guy there. I don't know what's going on, but that, I liked that inclusion. It's like, that's, that's an interesting joke. Um, and then last thing, sort of Crispin Glover. Uh, well, two things. Uh, give me a milk chocolate genius. Great. Such a great moment uh, for him kind of getting the, uh, you know, it's basically he's trying to get liquid courage to ask Lorraine out uh, to the prom before the density thing. That's solid gold. Oh, Love great. it. Um, yeah. And then uh, another thing to hone in on when you're watching him there, uh, the kiss. <laughs> I don't know, have you ever picked up on yeah. just like, there's a couple beats there before he and Lorraine kiss. I mean, I'm talking like the moments before their lips touch that I'm just like, right. you know, I don't know, man. Like, that's got to be a really weird thing for for uh, Leah Thompson to be looking up at that. <laughs> There's just something I don't know. That's maybe mean to oh. say. I mean, obviously, like I think now we know that like Chris McGlover does seem like a weird guy in general. Uh, personally, yeah, I love him. So this is all in good fondness. But uh, and it fits that character too and the performance that he gives. Oh, totally. But yeah. There's some really just interesting visual stuff going on with his face and his body right before that kiss happens that's worth looking at again. I I did not notice anything yeah. about that. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to yeah. go back and check it out in slow motion. That's a big thing for me other than, and we, we'll talk maybe in a second about like actual just like filmmaking stuff. But what about you? Uh, Well, uh, you actually hit on a lot of them. Okay. A lot of the same ones I had. But the one thing, I was trying to make something out of this, and I don't think I actually got all the way there. But I was noticing this uh, this sort of vein of head injuries in this movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Doc Brown injures his head and comes up with a flux capacitor, which makes time travel possible. Yep. Marty hits his head, and his mom falls in love with him. Yep. And he also slams his head into the steering wheel at the end of the movie to start the car. the car go, yeah. Which starts the car and like makes it go. I mean, I, I was trying to connect these threads. I was trying to come up with something that would, uh, you know, something about head injuries in this movie. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really find a good, a good uh, you know, a good connection between any of them. But, but that was one where yeah. it's just like, yeah, there's a lot, oh, of, Biff probably, a lot of head injury yeah. going on. Biff may have some sort of lingering post concussion syndromes from getting yeah. knocked out by McFly there at the end. Uh, and I guess the other thing is, well, we all know like, like the, the Biff hit at the end works really well. Mm-hmm. That's one of your best, just one punch moments. Just, I mean, everything that builds up to yeah. that is, is so great. You have shot great too, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah. You have <laughs> Marty, being surprised by the fact that Biff is there. And then, you know, Biff throws Marty out and Marty's gone. And then he's attacking Lorraine, which is terrifying. And, uh, and just her saying, you know, don't leave me in here, George. And him, like he is ready to walk away because that's what he's done his whole life. And like, and, and Crispin Glover's performance has built you up to this moment. 
because there's a part of you that feels like he, he might walk away from this. He might not feel like he can handle this. And, and just the fact like he comes back and says that like, man, that whole moment is fantastic. Yeah. I feel like, I, I wonder what this is going to feel like in 10 or 20 more years. Cause there is, you, you have your peeping Tom moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that there's any real payback for that. He is definitely doing something bad. <laughs> well, I <laughs> like mean, it's not yeah. maybe not quite on par with what Biff has in mind. Say there's but a lot of it's in yeah, the neighborhood. There's a lot of that going on. I mean, it's definitely implied that that Marty and Jennifer are going to get it on in 1985, the night that they go. Well, I mean, that's clearly what Marty's okay. hoping is going to happen um, on this yeah. trip. You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're not innocent teenagers by any means. But no, but I, no, not at all. to that point in your scene and the scene that you're talking about and just back to Chris McGlover. I mean, I find myself wondering like how he got this role in a lot of ways because I mean, I can't imagine there wasn't somebody that was like, is he is he just is he too weird for this? Yeah. Is he is oh, that yeah. going to be believable that this guy yeah. um, has that that power like that winning victory? Uh, at the end and like wins her heart. Like, is that going to be believable? And even, you know, as you see them in the, in the present and the opening and like, they're miserable as a couple. One, I'm miserable, but it's like, she's not happy. Um, like all that stuff. Like if it, it, if that moment hadn't worked, like, yeah, this movie is not the success that it is. Um, and I, oh, absolutely. And I do I think mean, so much of it has to just has to do with Chris McGlover. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely feels like a huge gamble. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, just com- completely pays off, mm-hmm. never, never fails. And, and like, it's even just like you get to the end, you get to new 1985 and Crispin Glover is, you know, quote unquote, as normal as can be. Yeah. Like just everything. Yeah. All, whatever his insecurities that kind of twisted him to a, a peeping Tom, you know, just guy who could barely look anybody in the eye. And uh, and just that tuck standing up for himself and and winning this this girl that he's just totally in love with just totally changed his life and and yeah I mean that's obviously that's what the whole movie is about yeah and all those payoffs so many of those payoffs work so well uh-huh. um in just that way but yeah I mean I mean across the board the casting of this movie is incredible yeah like it, it it's, really it's is just, it's a, Amazing, and it's also you know I was thinking about that too. Like it's kind of odd that Marty and George don't really have a scene in 1955 where George says, "What? Who are you? Where are you from? Like what? You know they don't have that sort of like feeling out moment other than a real quick one at the diner. It's not much, and then." at the lunchroom table where he learns that his dad wrote science fiction back in the day, you know? Um, and I think some of that is just, they just trim the fat off of it. It's like, you don't get a a moment to ask those kind of questions really. And, um, you're also just, you just kind of build upon the fact that it's like, well, they, they know each other as father and son. Do we really need to spend that real estate in 1955, to do that, even though that is what sure. would have happened in real life. Like, you know, yeah. you would have to imagine like, why, why are you bothering me? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you, you get it, you get a few insights, mm-hmm. you know, and it is exactly, it's just, it's sort of just like just enough 
you get those those few sort of tweaks and and like oh this is what things were really like but yeah yeah it, it turns out that's that's all you need yeah um i was kind of surprised by a little by how quickly they developed the idea of the using the clock tower and the lightning in 1955. It's not terribly long after he's met up with Doc Brown, if I'm not mistaken, um, right. because you know he's got the the flyer about the clock tower and he's telling her about telling me about Jennifer, and I actually really appreciated that watching it this time because it's like, yeah, here it is. This is what they got to do. Now let's just throw all these things in front of it to prevent them from doing that. And that's what the rest of the movie is going to be, you know? Um, and I don't know, there's just something about having that goal, that like tangible goal out there in the open, middle of the movie. And you know, I mean, that's what you're building towards. Uh, and again, like that, that kind of plays just into like the stakes of this movie being like not huge. Like they're small, like they're huge to these people, but they're, they don't have like other world, like, there's no global implications. I mean, nobody else knows about this freaking thing, you know. The city's not in danger. So I just, yeah, I think that's, and maybe that, I think they mentioned that in that Siskel and Ebert thing a little bit too. Um, you know, it's just about how personal the movie feels yeah. because of that, because it's about this family and because it's, you know, kid and his parents. Um, so well, and I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's something pretty much anybody can relate to mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, for but sure. I, th- I think it's very much that thing that really separates this movie from the last two. Yeah, which both have you know both can be a lot of fun, but they never have that those kind of stakes of like I won't exist. Yeah, if I don't make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and like there there is kind of a bigger implication of of what could happen. You know, oh, like yeah. messing around with time travel and everything. But you don't have to go. You, you just have to mention that and just let it know. You know, let it be known that this is like. This is like playing with fire. Yeah. Like you got to be careful. Um, it was interesting, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, in the in some of the Blu-ray extras, most of the, the deleted scenes they were saying were were not things that were exposition, but they were th- usually like jokes that they cut out yeah. because it just slowed the movie down a little bit. You know, or just yeah. things that they didn't need. And yeah, I mean, you really like you watch this movie and like. I mean, the pace of it from the moment that Huey Lewis song kicks off, like it just, it sets the tone so perfectly yeah. and you're off and running. And before that, you know, it's also like, yeah, I mean, that shot, the opening shot is kind of amazing. Like, I didn't even think about it, but they were talking about how the difficulty of getting all those clocks set at the exact same time, <laughs> um, yeah. which, yeah, in and of itself is, that's pretty, pretty difficult. Um, now you would just do that with a computer. But, you know, and they also, they built all that stuff. They had to uh, torch the dog food can, they said, to get it to, f- to get the dog food to fall out and plop out like that. Because, um, yeah, really? otherwise it would just stick to the sides. But uh, it's it's such a cool way to open a movie, too, you know. And because oh, and it's yeah. also, it's just like, yeah, it's so stylistically different from the rest of it. But it, it like, sort of eases you into it and lets you breathe for a second. And then you're just off and running. And, um, yeah, it's it's a sight to behold. Well, and that's the other thing that I really liked about it. I remember as a kid um, is that they really, before the movie was released, they kept a tight lid on what the time machine looked mm-hmm. like. Like you had a little bit in the poster, 
Uh, I think I think you saw a bunch in the in the Siskel and Ebert review, although I don't remember that because I I seem to remember going in and not really knowing what it was going to look like, like thinking about that shot where it comes out of the truck yeah. at the so mall. Cool. There's just all that dry ice, you know, smoke coming out of the thing. And and just the whole opening where he's turning all these knobs and this hum is getting louder and, you know, everything about it, overdrive, all this yeah. stuff. You're just like, oh, this is this is the time machine. And just at least that was, you know, uh, how I took it. I think that's how it was supposed to be taken. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. Like, I loved how how that, how all the hype and all the advertising and all that stuff just totally bled right into the movie. Like, yeah. they, they were just like, this is where your mind is going to be when you come in. And that's kind of how it felt the whole time watching. It was like, I know exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. I've put you right where I want you. And now, you know, now I'm going to do this to you. No, and they said that at that first test screening, like the the audience, they didn't even know it was a time travel movie. Like they had not been given that information. And so they said that you could kind of feel this tension when they sent Einstein, you know, into the future. He went into the past. I can't remember. Anyway. um, Well, he skipped a minute. So he did go into the future. And whether you're like, like what the hell just happened? You know? And again, it's like, I think Marty asked the exact same thing. You know, did you just kill <laughs> Einstein? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's like you just let the audience. And I don't know, maybe they took some of that and, and applied it to the advertising then afterwards because the results were so good, obviously, um, from yeah. those test screenings. Uh, but That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think there's just a treasure trove of stories to probably unfold with this movie. And I, I forgot to mention, but I, I did read that I think both Zemeckis and Gale have said that they will not allow a remake or a reboot of this movie uh, in their lifetimes. Good. Yeah. We'll see if they change their mind or if perhaps it may make another appearance on TV uh, and do a show of some kind. I could see that happening right now, especially. Um, Maybe. But yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those that feels like they just captured lightning in a bottle from the word go, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you might turn it into a, an interesting TV show or even a mildly okay reboot. It would be incredible to me if they, I don't know, like, like if, if they made anything based on this that made you feel like, oh, wow, that was as good as the movie. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, that movie is is, man... It's 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 really amazing. Yeah, and it's so crazy yeah. to think about. Which like, uh, it could have had Eric Stoltz. Like, <laughs> they restarted the yeah. thing. I mean, that's nuts. It's so nuts. Um, one little thing from the ending. Okay. And again, sorry, uh, Claudia Wells, but it has to do with Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She gets in the car and heads off to the future with very little uh, discussion about it at all. Um, do you? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That, uh, I don't know. This was the only time I watched well, it where I was like, yeah, and this maybe should have been my nitpicks, but I, you know, she's got to go with him, obviously. But uh, yeah. J- Jennifer Exposition mm-hmm. <laughs> just goes where it goes. I, I had read some, some statement about how they didn't want to make, they weren't thinking about making a sequel originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. And like that was when they when they got into the sequel. I don't know if it was Zemeckis or Gale, but one of them was saying it was a real mistake to put her in that car because the first thing we realized was 
we got to put her somewhere so that Marty can go off and have adventures or something like that. Yeah. Not only that, they hadn't really established who the hell that character is. They didn't, she didn't have to do anything in this movie yeah. because she's not in it. Yeah. So I, I can see where that would have been yeah. difficult. And then uh, obviously she's not, that actress is not in the second one. And I had read that, um, yeah. I think her mom was sick or something or, or there was some yeah. cancer that she, she bowed out. So um, that's unfortunate for her personally, but obviously she's probably in the, in the better one of the trilogy. So. Uh, oh yeah, totally. Nothing to, nothing to lose sleep over, I guess. And I mean, yeah. Hey, Elizabeth Shue. Ah, I'm going to try and say her name for real. Elizabeth Shue is obviously no slouch. No. Yeah. Uh, but I can say it like as a kid, like seeing the movie and then seeing that, She's in it all of a sudden. Like, uh, just a different person. It was kind of like, no, this isn't. This isn't back. Yeah, uh, we're 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 pay, we're playing dress up, and that's fine. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Well, we won't go down that road because there's so much other stuff to talk about with the no, two there's, sequels. There's, yeah, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I I think uh, you know, it's definitely a movie that you. I understand completely why it's number one in the box office this year and by a landslide. Um, as much as I like Goonies, as much as I like Weird Science, uh, they just, they don't have, I think, that sort of like it factor that this thing has to it. I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, we've still got some work to do to, to actually see every movie from 1985, but I'm hard pressed to think of another one that's just as, like I said, just pure, purely as enjoyable as this thing is still to this day. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I think I think it was I think it was like really far ahead of its time, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I mean it's 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 it, it's really hard to see uh, what about it might just eventually kind of kill it. In the I future, know I was so. wondering that too. Is like a, yeah, will there be a time where it's like yeah, this is, this feels dated now, I'm just not as good yeah. as it was, or I don't know. I hope not. I hope not. Um, I, I would assume if if time travel for some reason was actually achieved, yeah, maybe. And it was like you don't a car that's hilarious, you know. (laughs) Then uh, yeah, these knuckleheads. But uh, but even that, like it, like all that stuff, just still works so well. Mm -hmm. So, but if we do invent time uh, travel, we can go back and fix that stuff in this movie, so that it just remains timeless, right? Sean, that's the best uh, the best use of time uh, travel (laughs) I can think of. God, that would get weird. Um, So that's good. No, uh, I think that's, you know, we can wrap that up then. Um, yeah, yeah it, it was a fun one to, to to finish up on. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I think we said it already, but we are going to take a little bit of break starting next year. We are going to call this officially, I think, the end of season one of this podcast, <laughs> even though... That's right, our two-year season yeah, one. Yeah, it's like 100 episodes yeah. in now or whatever. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll try to keep this a little more... Uh, the format going forward and then we'll pick things up in I think February maybe and give everybody time to catch up and then probably uh, do some some different stuff again next time and talk about some you know some movies that uh, hopefully a lot of you have not heard of and that we haven't heard of or, and are discovering them so send suggestions again uh, we'll get back into that a little bit and uh, hopefully have some some fun stuff ahead for uh God almighty, 2018. <laughs> Where are our flying cars, dude? Yeah, no, seriously. Where are our flying uh, cars? Future's got some work to do, man. Uh, it's, yeah, anyway. Sounds good to me, Sean. See you in the future. Oh, snap. That's, yeah, it really actually wasn't that good. No, yeah, it's fine. Thing to end on. Okay, thanks. Thanks. <laughs>